Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hill City. Glad to have you all here. Um, for those who um, don't know me, my name is Christian. So just welcoming everyone here and those who can make it here with us online. Um, just have a few announcements for you today. Um, we have growth track coming up. It's starting uh, September 8th. Yeah, really great. Um, I went through it too and honestly it's been just so helpful and like you know taking my next step here at the church and getting involved and finding out what you know God had for me in this community as we serve together. Um, the classes this time around are four sessions long. We'll start September 8th and, 8th and go through till September 29th. Breakfast and childcare are included so no excuses. Um, then on July 31st, we do have the all-church meeting. We're meeting here at the church at 7 p.m. Um, just to update everyone on the year so far, um, talk about any questions that might be still looming about the consultation, uh, merger status, and then just the future of the church. Um, there are a lot more other things um, to announce. If, we, if you look at the bulletin, there's just so many things that we can get involved in here. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and call the ushers forward as we um, continue in this time of worship. Um, and then also invite Paul, our speaker, up here today, too. So, dear Heavenly Father, um, we just lift up today to you. Um, that you know where each of our hearts are and what we can give and just put it um, in our hearts to honor you at the end of the day, to give what is yours and to continue just to give thanks in our whole lives. Um, we just lift up Paul to you in this time, um, that you'd be with him, um, that just your word comes through in everything that he says, that it can um, touch each one of our lives and meet us where we're at and we can have open hearts to hear it, Father. And so in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Christian. Give him a hand. Mostly because of that awesome mustache. No, I'm just kidding. Good morning. Hope everyone's well. I was just looking at this, uh, your, your pedals here, and one's got a puma on it, one's got an airplane, one's got planets on it, and I don't know what that means. But turn on the puma pedal. Let's, let's listen to some puma. Well, it's, uh, it's an honor to be able to speak to you this morning. And uh, I was told last week that I uh, was, is this reflecting and hitting anybody else in the face with, with light? No? All right, and I don't want to feel like I'm flipping anybody off, so we're going to take this off. Like, you're sticking your finger up at me all week. Yeah, get that out of here. No. I'm like in gadget heck up here. All right. Well, uh, welcome to you guys here. Welcome to the US online on the, uh, on the World Wide Web. Uh, I was going to ask some younger people if they know what WWW meant on the addresses. You know what WWW? I just said it, so you probably know what it means now. World Wide Web. So I got to, I got to miss a lot of the heat this weekend. Uh, you, guys, uh, you guys can... Stop playing. No, just kidding. There you go. Boom. Let us down softly. And I got to miss a lot of the heat this week. Uh, Colorado heat. Did you guys enjoy that? 
No? Well, I got Atlanta heat. So I got to go to hot Atlanta, as we call it. And let me tell you, it's really hot. It's funny when you look at the weather there, it says 89 on the app, but then it said feels like 103. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, so, you know, I'm, I've kind of enjoyed it. I spent some time in the South recently. I was in Tallahassee and Puerto Rico, so I kind of got used to some of the heat, uh, but it's still, I still welcome Colorado for sure. Uh, but I was flying home and I got delayed for like the fourth flight, in alone, uh, fourth flight in a row, which was fantastic. Anybody like spending seven hours at the airport? It's so much fun. Um, but, you know, I was sitting there just waiting and, and, and at one point this, I was in a food court and enjoying myself, listening to some, some tunes. Bing, they just worked. So I had, uh, you know, I had my, my laptop out, I had my AirPods on, I had my phone, I had um, another, another pad, and I had my book, right? And I'm sitting there, and, I'm, have, and I have my watch on, you know, I'm like over, would anybody say I'm overly stimulated at that point? All right? And, and does anybody else here watch TV, and then they have another screen in front of them at night? One person? Thank you, Ryan, for being bold. You are a bunch of liars, all right? I know that every single one of you at some point is like, yes, that, that bounty commercial is really boring, so I'm gonna check out something not even more exciting on my phone, but it's, I'm gonna do that, right? And we don't have a DVR at our home, so I'm too loud. Oh, it's probably because I have these on. Can you guys hear me? Let me take these out. Did I get really loud? Sorry, couldn't hear myself. But I had all these, I felt I was a productive beast in the moment. I'm on these phone calls, I'm like surfing the internet at the same time, and listening to this conference call and not contributing at all because I'm not really paying attention. And, but I, I find myself in these moments, and I'm sure a lot of us feel this way, that we have more, uh, that we're, finding, we're pursuing more information, connection, relationship, uh, keeping the pulse on everything, quote unquote, thinking that if I'm more connected, the more I'll feel complete and fruitful. And this is, a lot of this is due to the, the, the advent of the digital age, we'll call it, okay? Or the intelligence age, went from the industrial age to the information age, and now we're in the intelligence age. Sometimes I don't feel very intelligent, but um, that's another story. But Tim Keller, we quote him a lot here, he, he captured this well. And this is kind of a, kind of a uh, sobering way to start a sermon, but I'm just gonna read some of his thoughts. So simply from empirical studies, everyone in our Western society has less solitude. There's less and less of our day, week, month, where we are unplugged, where we're not listening to something, talking, texting, etc. This is primarily due to the pervasiveness of social media, internet, and various electronic devices. Most people in the past, like not that long ago, couldn't avoid solitude. Okay, it was really hard to avoid solitude. And now it seems, and I know this isn't completely true, but it seems like it's even hard to find solitude. Am I right? Just shake your head like I am. All right. But everyone I talk to seems so busy, is communicating so incessantly, there's less prayer or, or to go into solitary time or quiet place to pray. We're effectively sure that we are more prayerless than we've been. And this is kind of the hard one. Because of the prayerless, our spiritual life is in a free fall. And I know that's hard, but as you think about solitude, as you think about prayer, as you think about this, these simple rhythms with God, I just demonstrated a lot of our life in a, in a small moment. I had seven hours, and I know an airport, especially Hartsfield, 
the heart, the number one, number, uh, number one busiest airport in the country, maybe next to O'Hare and JFK. It's a very busy airport, so it's hard to find solitude in the food court by the pizza place, right? In the corner with a bunch of other people watching YouTube. But even in that moment, I had seven hours, and I certainly could have taken off some, taken off some, um, my AirPods, right? And I, I look like a total Apple guy right now, and it's kind of embarrassing. Well, Caleb would be proud. But I got my Apple Watch, my AirPods, my iPad, my MacBook Pro. You're welcome, Caleb. He's online. My iPhone. And just put, shed all those things off, right? Hit the power button and said, I need to just, I have this moment. I have seven hours in this airport to pursue something else than the nonsense of maybe what's on the internet at the moment. All right? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue going into the sermon. God, thank you for this morning for Jen and the worship team for leading us in worship. And uh, God, I pray that's just the beginning right now, that as we continue worshiping you in the word, and uh, thank you for this body of believers, uh, for this opportunity to speak, God. And I pray that I would, um, that you would just focus my mind and my heart and my words, and that I pray for the congregation that here in the room and those online, that they would open up and, uh, you know, be open to hearing about God and be changed by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I'm gonna have, a sweet little lady come up and read for me. Welcome, Megan. I like how you cheered yourself there. Like, woo! All right, she's gonna read a, a very uh, well-known psalm. For some of you, if you've grown up in the Christian faith, you've been here a while, this is the 23rd Psalm. Um, if, if it's new to you, it's a book in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament has a lot of books, and Psalms is one of them, very well-known, and most of the Psalms, not all, but most of them are written by King David. So I'm gonna have Megan read it for us. The 23rd Psalm, also called the Song of Trust. Awesome. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hold on. All right. Let's try again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Give her a hand. Thank you. Check, check. Thank you. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through this, what's called expositionally. We're going to walk through each phrase together, and our, I hope you guys are okay with that. But we're just going to dissect Psalm 23 for the next 15 minutes, okay? And I want to, I just felt from the context of solitude and prayerfulness, Psalms are very prayerful. And uh, sometimes you can read through, I think I say this later, but you can read through the Psalms. I think that took you like 30 seconds or something. You could have gone faster. You could have gone slower, right? But that's sometimes how we read scripture. We kind of slam through it. We're like, yeah, I got through something. But um, I, I believe it's in our best interest is to slow down sometimes and really go through word by word, okay? Um, and so we're going to go, s not literally word, like let's talk with the. All right, we're going to talk about the. 
No, we're going to go through these phrases, and I'm going to go and, and give a, a little bit of commentary on each one. So the Lord is my shepherd. The use of the phrase tense verb is means the Lord is shepherding me. It's not just he is a shepherd, but that it's active, okay? That there's active leadership guidance, uh, and he is a shepherd to me. Um, as David thought about God and his relationship with him, he made the analogy of a shepherd and his sheep. God was like a shepherd to David, and David was like a sheep to God. If you didn't know, before he was a king, when he was a young boy and as he was growing up, he was a shepherd, okay? And I hope everybody knows what a shepherd is. Um, do I need to explain that to anybody? Okay, good. Uh, having been a shepherd himself, he found comfort and security in God as a shepherd who cared, preserved, sustained, and watched over him in the same way he did for his sheep. And when David said the Lord is, here's another key word, my shepherd, okay, He's, he's saying that the Lord was a real personal shepherd for him, and not just the Lord is a shepherd. You guys get the point there? Um, it's saying like, well, well, that, my mom is, that, that is, she's a mother. She takes care of her children versus she's my mother. It's different. Do you get the saying? It's more personal. So it may seem odd to focus on this, um, but this is key. Charles Spurgeon said that before one can truly say the Lord is my shepherd, he must first acknowledge and feel in himself that he has the nature of a sheep. We must understand, you guys ready for this? That sheep are not the smartest animals. They need someone to guide, protect, correct, and take care of them. We too need a shepherd who loves, guides, protects, corrects, and cares for us. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, that was one of the first falls was where man said, I'm smart. <laughs> I got this. I'm knowledgeable. It's not to imply that anybody in this room is like, in, as a, has the intelligence of a sheep. Okay, but when you think about who we are and how complex humans are, we still need a shepherd. All right, do we know the Lord as personal shepherd like David did, as my shepherd, not just a shepherd? All right, next, moving on. Oh, let me say something your experience with God can never be vital until it's personal. Until we view God as my shepherd, as my God, as my Lord then it's that, that relationship and that dependence on the shepherd will never be vital. Moving on, I shall not want. As a kid, I didn't really, you know, this sounds weird. Whoever uses the word shall. Jen, we shall sing this song tomorrow, you know. Um, we don't use the word shall very much, but I shall not want. Um, that's, you, just, you, know, you just say, I don't need it, or are you going to get milk at the store? I shall not want milk. Um, we don't use that very much, but I'm going to go through this. So this is actually, it's so simple. It's four words, but it's actually one of the most uh, powerful lines in the psalm. It is a blunt and frank statement of affirmation. David is saying, all my needs are supplied by the Lord, my shepherd, and I deci decide to not desire more than what he gives. To have God as our shepherd is to have everything we need. It does not mean that we will have everything we want, but we will be cared for, loved, and provided for very well. I didn't say this, but if you guys want to open this up in your phone or Bible, uh, uh, please do so and kind of go along with me because um, I can read this to you and, and, and no pressure, but I think it just, as you go through this, keep, we're going to spend here 15 minutes, so just kind of keep cycling through this with me. We live in a society where we tend to think of ourselves as always lacking something and always needing something more, but the Lord, our God, is sufficient, and with him, we need nothing else. Amen. This is reflected many years later when Jesus was teaching in the book of Matthew. So I'm going to hop to Matthew 6, 28, um, and um, we'll just keep going here. And why worry about your clothing? 
Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. I just want to stay there for a second. This is, he's, he's now uh, saying, making a distinction between, as a believer, how we should look at provision and how we look at the things that we don't want versus the believers that are constantly saying, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I need more. And so he said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. This may be one of the hardest things in our culture to truly live out. Each day we're being marketed constantly uh, to constantly people posting on social media about their so-called better life and how we need more things. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I just, I, 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 there's all, there's sometimes I, you ever have that feeling where you're, you're kind of like, I'm unsettled and I don't really know why. And you're kind of, you can't quite, you're like, I remembered it an hour ago and now I forgot. Um, maybe it's just me, but my wife and I are like, something's bugging me and I don't know what it is. And I know sometimes for me, it's just this sort of insatiable undertone of appetite in my life of, of needing more, um, needing another thing. And I think there's, we, if we're, uh, I could go on about the, 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 the marketing schemes that are thrown at us, but this country and the things that are on us are constantly being thrown at us. Um, every time you turn on a screen, maybe not your watch, but there's things always at us, isn't there? There's like, I don't, I need that. I need a new fridge. I need, I just got a new fridge, but mine died. Um, I need a new TV. Why is, is your TV bad? You just got it two years ago. You know, I need the next video. There's always something that's coming at us. And so I think with that in mind, it's good to know and understand as a culture that that is happening. And what are we doing to, to, um, to have a, a strategy to combat that? What are we doing to understand that that's there and that I know that my God is my provision? All that a sheep needs is a good shepherd, since a good shepherd by his very nature will always supply all the sheep's needs. In the same way, a good father will provide for his child's every need. Some of us may be having deep struggles with their present financial situations or other wants, but we need to come to terms with the truth that as we seek God, he will give us what is excellent according to his own purpose and agenda. Moving on, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. This one's a little bit more, this one's probably a trickier one for me to explain, but the expression lies down speaks of rest. Duh. All right, that's not why I was struggling with it, because I don't know what lies down means. But just as little shepherd would care for his sheep, the Lord as a shepherd knew how to make David rest when he needed it. Notice that it says, he makes me to lie down. It implies that the sheep doesn't always know what it needs and what is best for itself. It needs help from the shepherd. Do you know what it is? Uh, it's almost impossible to get a sheep to lay down before it's eaten. Um, and so a lot of times what they'll do is they'll lead the sheep to green pastures so that the sheep can eat. And once the sheep has eaten, then it will find a place and lay down. So I think a lot in our own ways, we need to be led by our shepherd, by God, to a place where we can be nourished, where we don't. It's, and like I said, this isn't a new TV. This isn't a new thing. This is what God's purpose, what he has for us that makes us lie down. His nourishment will make us lie down. I like this. The adequate provision of a lush pasture land to which the shepherd has led his sheep will cause them to lie down and rest. He leads me beside the still waters. The word translated lead means to lead gently. You cannot drive sheep. Uh, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and follow him just as we listen to Christ in his word and obey him. 
The image of still waters is rich with a sense of comfort, care, and rest. And it may also represent love, peace, beauty, and harmony. This reminds us of Jesus who said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My children, my wife and I's uh, children, we, uh, they hear our voice as we try to lead them. Uh, does, uh, does every parent, their kid always listens to them all the time? Every time. They're like, yes, sir. Um, we just spent some time in, uh, in Tallahassee, and it's very uh, sir and ma'am there. Anybody grow up with that? Um, so my, my cousins uh, always say, yes, sir. They call me, and even my grandma, they say, yes, ma'am. And they're like, just, well, they call you grandma, right? But for me, yes. So now my son's picked that up, and he's, he's like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And I'm like, stop saying yes, sir. <laughs> but now he says, yes, father. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> yes, father. And it's really, like, condescending, so it's even worse. But bedtime for us is like, I'm trying to lead them to green pastures and still waters because they need rest, right? They're young. They need like, our daughter slept 14 hours last night because of the slumber party where she apparently didn't get any sleep. Thanks, Julie. No, but there's, they need that. They need that, but they don't, they, I mean, every night is like a bat. We're not, I don't know. Don't judge us, but we're not very good with bedtime. Usually ends up uh, yelling and like, get in bed right now. Um, but I'm trying to lead them gently, but often I have to use, you know, more of the, the rod, right, to get them up there. And uh, it's amazing. Like, I, I, I'm trying to lead them to places, and I'm, and I'm trying to do it gently. And I know it's good for them. I'm not leading them to, like, why don't you guys go, you know, work in the basement for five hours. It's 9 o'clock at night. It's like I'm trying to lead you up to your nice soft bed so that you, it's good for you, right? It's good rest. Um, but that's where I was thinking of, of this this, uh, he leads me beside still water. He leads me, and I hear his voice. I know that he's leading me to good things, amen? So instead of worrying, why not trust God for what he can provide? Let's trust him. Satisfaction comes only as a result of the provision and peace that comes from our, our relationship with God. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. The first line, he restores my soul, conveys, uh, conveys David's thought that God will sustain and renew his life by supplying him with the necessary provisions of food and water that sheep require. But beyond the literal meaning of physical nourishment and rest, it appears that there is a spiritual meaning implied in this phrase. For David, God desired to lead him. Remember, this is, he's, he's king when he's doing this. So this isn't just like, eh, you know, he's got a pretty big, he's a pretty big deal. That, he, that God desired to lead him down the paths of uprightness during the reign as king and enable him to win his battles in order to possess the land God had promised to them. For the believers, it is God's desire to lead them into living righteous and sanctified lives. One of the principal tasks of a shepherd is guidance. Like I was just saying, leading gently. That's guidance. It is often necessary for a sheep to lead his flock to both pasture and water because there are some paths that are dangerous and should be avoided. A shepherd leads his flock, so God guides his people in the right paths, the paths of righteousness. Mm. I hope you're getting this visual. Um, you know, I was going to bring up a, an image, but they're all like from the 1980s, and they all look really cheesy of like the 23rd Psalm. So um, I don't have a picture from, you know, like 3,000 years ago. But um, it's, it's uh, just, just picturing God as, as a partnership, as his shepherd leading you through, not just still and, and waters, but he leads me to that but it doesn't talk about what you go through to get to that. And so that's why we talk about shepherd as guidance. I depend on him in that way. Oh, that's nice. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
So this is the central verse of the psalm, and notice how the personal pronoun changes similarly to the beginning, from he to you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This, if you go, keep going up, he restores my soul. He leads me. He makes me. You guys follow me? He's talking about he, kind of in a, he's, he's up there. And then he switches here. I will fear no evil. This is the difference. This is kind of my shepherd. If I was saying like, you're, you're with me, he's, he's there. But imagine saying, but, and here we go, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. God, I don't know what's going on in life right now. I could talk about God is going to take care of me. God's going to be with me. He's my father. But if you change your posture and you change your situation and you look to God and you say, but you, way different. And this is where he's going through. Remember, the shadow of the death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Speaking it of you're with me. You're not just above. You're not in front of me. You're guiding me. Okay, you, you, all those things I just talked about, you're on the throne. But right in this moment, as I'm going through the shadow of death, not literal death, me, but the shadow of death, you are with me. It changes the way you view God. Make it personal, make it vital. That speaking those words of you are with me, you protect me, you guide me. You are with me as I go through this. You're not just distance in the future. You're not behind me, maybe hitting me with a stick, but you are with me right now as I'm going through the shadow of death, knowing that you're leading me to still waters and green pastures. Amen? You are with me. I love how it changes this. So David no longer is speaking about the shepherd. He's speaking to the shepherd. He knows that the dark valley, he knows that in the dark valley, God is not before him, but beside him. And the valley of the shadow of death is, I, I know as a kid, I always thought this was like, I'm about to die, like I'm in my twilight, right? And God's with me. Um, but it really represents any difficult experience of life that makes us afraid. Uh, that includes death. David recognized that even when following the Lord as shepherd, one may still go through some dark and difficult times. We are not a, um, what would you say, a prosperity gospel church here. Okay, I could say a big loud amen, but if you don't know what that is, it's basically like, uh, I don't want to oversimplify this, but it's like nothing will bad happen to you, nothing bad will happen to you. And I'm pretty sure I could ask everybody in this room and they're like, yeah, I mean, if I asked you, I'm like, yeah, nothing's really ever bad happened to me. It's never happened, you know? That's who God is. I'm like, nope, it's not true. Uh, and that's, we know this, uh, if you actually read the word, um, this is not the message we want to convey. We want to talk about how God is our shepherd, how God has given us, uh, a spirit to navigate this life, um, but it does not mean that there won't be shadows of death as we go through this life. Amen? All right. I know I say amen a lot. I'm sorry. Uh, but um, traditionally, shepherds carry a rod and a staff. Uh, so here's my staff. I don't know why there's a rope on it, but this is what my son gave me. So this is a, a staff, but the staff really has like a, a big, I didn't have like a shepherd staff. Sorry. Anybody have one of those? You know, it's got like the big uh, Bo Peep uh, hook on it uh, from Toy Story. Um, you know, and so that's like, that's the staff, right? And that's kind of for, for, for directing the, the uh, for keeping the, the, uh, the sheep in order, guiding them through the, everything we just talked about to still waters and pastures and, you know, just making sure that you're there. And then uh, a lot of times a shepherd would also have a, a rod. All right, here's my rod. So I went from like really old school to... 
uh, you know, modern, or not modern, this would be, I don't know, when does Star Wars take place? Like 2022 or something? A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I was going to see if it actually works. Ah, oh, yes, there we go. All right, maybe my wife. Anyway, nobody cares. No, oh, let me turn it off now. <laughs> ah, stop. All right, wait. My son would love this. He's like, that was awesome. So this is, uh, I think this is Kylo Ren, right? Julie, you got it? Okay, she doesn't know. Um, this is, uh, but this is the, the rod, right? This what obviously was not, well, maybe that's what they had. I don't know. Um, but this was uh, the offensive part of, right? Making sure when you think of the shepherd and the sheep, they're like, they're going to keep danger away. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh. All right. They're going to keep danger away, okay? I'm going to have this, my rod, and that's not to obviously use on the sheep because they wouldn't stand up very well to a lightsaber. But if anything comes my way, I can, if, if, imagine if the shepherd had this, like, I'd be pretty confident as a sheep that nothing's going to happen to me, right? What could stand up to a, a lightsaber? I'm sure there's a lot of answers to that right now. For the Star Wars geeks out there, they're like, oh, there's all sorts of things. But as we can take confidence that our shepherd is going to defend us, that he's got the rod, uh, that he's got the staff to take care of me and to, to navigate us through this life. And in those moments where I, can, where I get really fearful that something's going to happen, I'm going to take, take refuge in the fact that our God and our shepherd and our Lord can defend for us. He can fight those battles. Amen. Amen. So maybe when you're praying this week, you can think of a lightsaber as the, uh, as the rod. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. This table doesn't, uh, uh, and my cup runs over. This table doesn't necessarily refer to a piece of furniture used by humans. A uh, table here suggests blessings even in the presence of danger or of those forces that oppose you. David enjoyed the riches of the Lord's goodness as his host, and he was also refreshed by a head that was anointed with oil. It is customary for people in the Middle East to anoint the heads of their visitors with fragrant perfumes and serve them a glass of choice wine, which they are careful to fill it runs over. This act meant that they were very special. You know, like, I really, I really like you, and I'm going to just, just flows all over the place, like, thank you, you know, and then you're like, oh, I can't drink it. But that's just a sign of that you're really special, you're really important, and uh, that's what it's about. And I just, I, I picture this... There's some people, and I believe the, the, the church needs to um, significantly, we'll say, improve in this area. When life is happening, man, what a beautiful thing when you meet someone who's like, it's okay. I know there's death knocking at the door. I know that my enemies are out there. And that's what it's saying. King's like, King David is like ha literally fighting battles. And he's saying, we're going to just set up a table. I got this. God's like, I got the lightsaber, man. We're going to hold them back. All right? We're going to give you a place where you're going to come into my house right now. You're going to feast at my table. I'm going to pour wine that's overflowing. And even in the midst of these dark times that you will dine right here, you will, I'm preparing a table for in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, so good. Goodness and mercy or loving kindness are probably the two most com uh, comforting attributes of God's character for the Christian. The phrase, follow me, literally means pursue me. So I know sometimes this thing like, you might feel like, I, I don't have goodness and mercy, but as, as we follow God, as we live this life, this statement is saying that this, these uh, goodness and mercy are going to like follow you through these moments and almost like pursue you. 
And uh, it, it's hard to grasp it because uh, I know sometimes it feels like I have to pursue all these things. I'm going after God. But as we, as we go through this life and we think of the shepherd and we think of him push, you know, pushing us through, this, I'm just, they're so visual to me. As we're pushing these things, goodness and mercy will come our way. And it may not be in the way that you think. And I think that's one of the hardest things to, to say is like, I can't give you what goodness and mercy means to you, Jen. I don't know. You know, it's not that prescriptive or descriptive. Um, where you're at, Alan, in your life, goodness and mercy would be totally different. But I know that these, these terms, um, as we go through, uh, and, and just at the, this, is the, this is the wrap of it, uh, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God not only walks before us and leads us to a place of rest and refreshment, but his goodness follows us as well. This means that no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, and no matter what our circumstances might be, God's goodness and loving kindness will pursue us to uphold us, care for us, challenge us, and forgive us. Do you realize how God has been gracious to you in Christ? You guys can come up. We have been forgiven of our sins, and we were given the Holy Spirit to enable us to walk with him. Rather than be overcome by anxiety over the circumstances that the good shepherd allows in our lives, let us greatly rejoice in God's abundant grace toward us. Let us greatly rejoice in God's abundant grace towards us. Let us greatly rejoice in God's abundant grace towards us. Sing, say that with me. Let us greatly rejoice in God's abundant grace towards us. Can we sing God with us? God for us? Phew. That was fast. That was the 23rd Psalm. I know you guys got all memorized now and you got it all got done. Um, but... On a tactical note, I hope we read scripture in this way. Um, as you go through this week, uh, like I said, you can read this quickly, but if you pick apart each piece, uh, especially certain books, sometimes some things are like, all right, I'm going to get through this, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is a, a long story, and there's a lot of uh, hierarchy, and uh, there's a lot of lineage here from a family perspective. But uh, I think it's really important to go through and spend more quality over quantity and really dig, dig into, into the scripture. You know, read footnotes, read commentary, go through it. Like, what does that mean, you know, in my head with oil? And I didn't even go into it that much. But, but if you really start to read into this, the depth that is there, not only just because it's a deep story, but also for your own soul to get lost in the Scripture is how we should be studying Scripture. So one of the greatest lessons we learn from Psalm 23 is that every person who belongs to God's flock is individually cared for as one of God's sheep. You guys just close your eyes for a second. I want to read this over it, over us. What a great comfort. What a great comfort to know that the Lord will provide for our every need. That he will give us rest when we're weary. He drives away all fears and will lead us down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That he will guide, preserve, and protect us. Does not withhold any good things from us. And that he will come for us someday and take us to heaven for the wedding banquet. With the Lord as our shepherd, what more could we ask for? My challenge to us this week, if we went to see a doctor, he would what? He'd, probably, he'd give you a prescription. And that's what I want to do. Five times, I challenge you guys this week, five times a day, if I, if I had a bunch of these written out, I would, and then sign them illegibly like a doctor does, right? So you can't read it. Five times a day, I know it seems crazy, five times a day, for seven days, I want you to read prayerfully and carefully the 23rd Psalm. When you awaken, 
before each meal and at bedtime, read the psalm. It doesn't take that long. The power of the shepherd's psalm is a prescription for the problems and pressures of our day. One of the things that we certainly need if we are going to have a life worth living is a faith in something that is big enough for life. My prayer is that we intentionally pursue moments of solitude. You know, for me, that's hitting a bunch of power buttons on some devices. Uh, for others, it might be um, laying something down that, that just distracts you from that point of solitude. So if it's this week, hit the power button. Turn off those devices. Turn off those distractions. Uh, if it's a book that, that uh, just continues to take away maybe from your time of solitude and pursuing God, close the book. Read that psalm five times a day. Get yourself lost in it. You know, if you want these notes, I can send them out. Meditate on those different parts. What is shepherd? What is guidance? What is still waters? What is the table? What is it flowing over? What is goodness and mercy? Pray on those things. Be in the solitude place. Study the scripture. Pray. That's how we understand God as our shepherd. God, you are good. Can we just stand this morning as we close? And if this is, a, if this is a, you know, God as a shepherd seems so odd and um, this is new to you or, or if you're a believer and you've never really embraced the he's my shepherd um, and talking to God in a really personal way, um, we, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. I'd love to pray for you. Um, love to uh, introduce you to the more depths of what this Christian life is. So Jen, can we just sing that song one more time, God with us? Let's sing together. Between us. Sing of Psalm 23rd as we sing this. What do we just study? What do we just hear? Some of you right now just need to say, God, with me. We do it corporately, absolutely. But some of you need to say, God, with me, and God, you're for me. I feel like sometimes we as uh, 
I feel a sense of that people don't feel that God is for you. And I get it. I get it. Those dark valleys, those shadows, man, they could be rough. <laughs> and especially with uh, the, the, the constant comparison of, I know what a hundred people's other, you know, thousands of other people's situations are now with, with technology. And I'm not here to rip on technology, but I, I, I have such a pervasive nature of baselining and benchmarking and comparing my life to others that it just goes against like, what does God have for me? I can't worry about everything else going on in other people's lives and my life isn't good right now. So I wanna just pray right now for you guys that we get lost in that shepherd. You're my shepherd. You're our shepherd. You're our shepherd. But you're my shepherd this morning. God, can you guys just like lean in as much as you can spiritually? And if it means raising your hands and just get lost in this, like that you're God, you're for me. You're my shepherd right now and just pray with me. God, we thank you. These words are so simple, but God, you're for me. God, you're for us. God, I pray that you would reveal your shepherdness to us in this moment. I hope it already has been revealed as so beautifully David did many, many years ago in Psalm 23. And he, when he wrote this, God, he probably didn't even fully understand what it meant to be our shepherd. And now he is, here he is, hundreds and hundreds of years later, still worshiping God that you are his shepherd. And God, we adopt these simple truths this morning. Lord, you are here to guide us, God. You are here to lead us down the path of righteousness for your namesake, to guide, preserve, and protect us. You don't withhold any good things from us for your purpose and your desires, not ours, not how we see it, God, but as you see it. And God, someday, you will take us home to heaven for the wedding banquet. And in this moment, God, I pray for situations. I pray for valleys. God, we don't, we don't learn from the scripture to take away the valley, to take away the shadow, God. You teach us how to navigate and how to learn resilience and how to grow through these moments. So God, I don't want us to learn to, uh, to leave this place thinking that you're not for us. God, you are good. Oh, church, come on, pray with me. God, you are with us. You are for us, God. And we pray, God, for that to be revealed to us throughout this week. We, I commit, I say this to myself right now, I commit to reading the Psalm 23, five times a day this week, 35 times total, morning, noon, night, in between, God. I meditate on you as our shepherd, you as my shepherd, God. Lord, we do this because it's truth. Lord, you are a good God. You are a good, good God. We love you, God. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we just sing this a few more times, Jen? God with us. God for us. Nothing can come against. Nothing can shake me. No one can stand between us. Nothing can separate us.
and amen. I like what Jen said earlier. Now this is a moment and we propel you out. Don't leave it here, okay? I'm not going to ask you to promise to me, but can you work really hard to read that psalm this week? Let's be a church that's unified, that he's our shepherd, he's my shepherd. Read the scripture this week. And with that, we say blessings. Have a great week. Shake a few hands, give a few hugs on the way out, and give God a hand. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed.